0: Amnesty International. How many
1: more of these do we need? Israel has created and maintained a system of oppression and domination over Palestinians, territorial fragmentation, segregation and control, the way that Israel has dispossessed Palestinians of their land, denied Palestinians of economic and social rights. Israel is guilty of the crime of apartheid. It's a crime against humanity and it has to end. There's no admission that the apartheid system is in service of a settler colonial a only response that Israel has given. And it's just false accusations of anti-Semitism.
0: Meta removed 200 social media accounts operated by the Israel based Cobwebs technology that were engaged in reconnaissance, which involves silent profiling of targets through public information, like social media. They take the information that we post and they catalog it. Whenever you talk to a Zionist, they'll be like, didn't you say in third grade that Israel's not a democracy?
1: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of the Palestine Pod, a weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world, stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gazagirl, and I'm joined by my co-host Mikey.
0: What's up, y'all? Mikey B. on TikTok, Michael are on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if your thumbs are sore from calling Amnesty International anti-Semitic.
1: Yeah, that was an easy one for this week. You didn't have to work very hard. No, sometimes (laughs) they
0: make it easy and I do appreciate them for that.
1: Sometimes the Mikey and Tee Fathers write themselves. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, please subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episode on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, please reach out to us at palestinepod.gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at we're also going strong on Patreon. So if you love the Palestine Pod and want to support this project, join our Patreon where you get early access to Palestine Pod episodes and additional one and two podcasts a week, including our latest creation, the Patreon Pod, and access to our monthly Zoom happy hours for Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff! Check us out on patreoncom palestine Here's what I got. Other than the Amnesty thing, I know you're not so hot about that, but what's cool about it is that they confirm not only that apartheid is practiced all across the territories that Israel controls, which used to be Palestine, aka Israel, West Bank, and Gaza, which is great, but also they confirm that the origin of the problem goes back to 1948, which is unusual because we haven't necessarily seen other reports emphasize that to they that also
0: confirmed that they don't take a position on occupation one way or the other really so like, yeah wait uh, what <laughs> yeah they put out a tweet
1: is it one of the offices of amnesty because i know that like for example the german office was like we're not cool
0: with this report it says does amnesty oppose israel's military occupation of palestine amnesty hasn't taken a position on occupation. Our focus has been on the Israeli government's obligations as the occupying power under international law, but amnesty has taken no position on the occupation itself.
1: Okay, so they're saying basically like we're not taking a position on the legality of the occupation, which is a question under international law. What we're doing rather is we're assessing the way in which the occupation has been carried out. And our conclusion is that the occupation has been carried out in violation of international law rules on occupation. That's what they're saying, basically. But they're not...
0: Very neutral his, on occupation.
1: It's, the, you know, it's...
0: Very much all, like, hey, 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 guys, guys. It's we really, still want to appeal to Zionists.
1: Well, they're not. I mean, they're definitely not appealing to Zionists. No way that that tweet... Save them in front of Zionists. You know what I mean? They don't say much about Zionism. That was the thing. You know, I thought, like, okay, you have these really great conclusions, but you need to draw it back to Zionism, right? Because, yeah, you make the connection with 1948 and you talk about the Nakba, but you have to talk about what's the driving force behind all of this, which is Zionism. And the word like basically shows up like a handful of times.
0: Yeah. Imagine trying to tell the story of somebody whose home has been robbed and never mentioning the robber.
1: Well, they mention the robber. They just don't mention why the robber is robbing.
0: Zionism is the rock. Like sure. Israel is the occupying force. And insofar as they were addressed in the report as such, but like Zionism is the thing, the ideology that drives all of the robbers. So For sure.
1: For sure. I think that was one of the failures. But that being said, I was very happy to see recognition of the Nakba and the wording as such used in the report. And the acknowledgement that, you know, more than 800,000 Palestinians were expelled or fled. But it's weird because they're like more than eight hundred thousand palestinians were expelled or fled from israel that doesn't make sense israel didn't even exist then
0: <laughs> yeah would they all leave israel for
1: but that makes no sense they were expelled or fled from their land which was called palestine and then the the, the rest of the sentence this is so weird this is on page 81 of the report they say During the 1947-49 conflict, more than 800,000 Palestinians who were citizens of British Mandate Palestine, okay, so they say that much, but they say were expelled or fled from Israel and became refugees in the West Bank, Gaza, or neighboring countries. Well, some of them also became displaced internal refugees. So it's so weird. Like, the wording is very bizarre. And I actually don't even know what they're trying to suggest other than perhaps, like, confuse people as to when Israel was established. I don't know then they go on to say the land and properties of the Palestinian refugees and those internally displaced in Israel by the war were confiscated and as mentioned above some 500 villages were destroyed Israel replaced names of Palestinian villages with Hebrew ones so there is good stuff in this report and like the, rep- the rest of the report is, is, is I think in you know in my view sort of like this where you'll get really good stuff and then you'll get a sentence that kind of confuses you and 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 isn't helpful at all but I'm happy that they mentioned the neck, but at least at the end of the day, though, we have to ask ourselves a question, which is like, how many more reports? Hundreds and hundreds of pages. This report is 282 pages long. I got through half of it. I didn't even finish it yet because, you know, I started reading it yesterday. How many more of these do we need?
0: You know? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that Amnesty International is not going to save us.
1: Right. Well, neither Amnesty, nor Human Rights Watch, nor Bid Settum, no none of those guys are going to save us because they all keep doing what they're doing. And the only response that Israel has has given is that all y'all are anti-Semitic. Yeah. That's that's the one leg that they're standing on. If Israel is a table, there's one leg left, and it's just false accusations of anti-Semitism.
0: Tough week for the the folks at zionism
1: (laughs) for the folks at zionism if zionism is like a corporation
0: zionism corporations had a tough a lot of profit loss this week a lot of bad press Yeah.
1: yeah but hey you know i encourage you all to check out the report you know read it with a critical eye but definitely do you know take a look at the main conclusions which of course is you know Stuff that we all know, that Israel has created and maintained a system of oppression and domination over Palestinians. The report goes into the territorial fragmentation, segregation and control, the way that Israel has dispossessed Palestinians of their land and property, and how they have also denied Palestinians of economic and social rights. They come up with the same conclusion that this system amounts to apartheid, and they call on Israel to dismantle this system, and they call on the international community to pressure Israel to do so and state that anyone with jurisdiction over the crimes committed to maintain this apartheid system should investigate them. So check it out. There's some really great stuff in there. There's some less great stuff in there. But all in all, you know, we have just another confirmation, hundreds of pages long, that what is happening here is wrong and must immediately cease.
0: It's good that we have another paper trail, I suppose, but I just had so much trouble gathering up any gusto for talking about the Amnesty International report. Because to me, Amnesty International is a bunch of like Ivy League prep trust fund kids who want to make money at the expense of human rights. I get it. There's a need for that work that they do right but largely it's coming up with a big fat goose egg for me because it comes decades late right it's like have they ever had a discussion with any palestinian ever very likely it will be used in some legal brief somewhere in the near distant future
1: yeah i mean uh it's tough, right? Because I really do appreciate the, like I said, the, the recognition that this goes back to 48, because one of the main Zionist myths is that if they even admit that there are Palestinians, one of the main myths is that, oh, we can trace back either thousands and thousands of years or like a total obfuscation and, you know, attempt to conceal 1948 and what it was. And then sometimes they'll say, oh, no, 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 it's just, you know, maybe the occupation is just a problem. So that I do think was good. But the other thing that I think that I noted is like the word settler colonialism, it's not in here at all. There's no admission that the apartheid system is in service of a settler colonial aim, which I think is also one of the major failures of the report on the one hand they say that israel is guilty of the crime of apartheid it's a crime against humanity and it has to end the report says that very clearly but it doesn't go the extra step to say what this apartheid system is in service of which we know is to further the settler colonial ambitions of the state of israel and and that is key because that shows you what the aim is what they are driven by right Why are they taking, why are they eating up more and more land? Because of this belief that they have to settle all this land, because of this belief that they have to expel the native inhabitants, because of this settler colonial ambition. You can't dismantle the apartheid system without first understanding where it originates from. It originates from the settler colonial ambitions of Zionists. They didn't. Dig deeper, right? To really understand, right? You have 280 pages. You're talking about the crimes themselves, but you're not really understanding what is going on. And if you don't understand what's going on, it's going to be difficult to dismantle it. Because you can call for a dismantling of apartheid, but if you don't understand why Zionists are doing all of this, it's going to be really difficult to count. So,
0: it to me, it speaks to the difference between scholastic activism, right? Versus on the ground activism. Anybody who's on the ground in Gaza, anybody who's on the ground in the West Bank, they don't need a human rights report, right? To tell them what's happening. And you don't even need to be on the ground. You just need to be in contact with people who are on the ground, who could tell you it's apartheid, who could tell Mm. you it's land theft, right? You got these bookworms, doing like years of research research right they come out with this report and it's like hey welcome to the party you're kind of late actually
1: yeah you want to mention though Mondo Weiss mentioned this as well in a departure from the Salem and human rights watch reports the amnesty report does take into consideration Palestinian right of return, which both the B'Tselem and Human Rights Watch reports didn't really focus on, didn't, didn't discuss. The Amnesty report considers that the millions of Palestinian refugees living in exile who are denied their right to return, which they state is a right that is enshrined by UN Resolution 194. The report basically says that while Israel only considers those who were forced to leave, Were fled in 1948, but not their descendants as refugees. It denies the right of return to both of those groups. And it goes on to state, you know, the the estimations of the numbers of Palestinian refugees, those that are registered with UNRWA, those that are not. And and basically say that in order to maintain this Jewish-Israeli domination in Israel and the occupied territories, Israel continues to deny millions of Palestinian refugees as well as their descendants the right to citizenship. And residents by denying them the right to return to their homes. So this is also essential because, you know, when we start this podcast, we'll like my the intro is basically that the aim of the podcast is, is to support the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. And when I when I wrote that, I was very in my mind, careful not to just say equal rights, because this is not only an equal rights struggle. The key part an essential component of the struggle is the struggle of the refugees to return to their homes. The right of return is essential. So when I say justice, for me, that's encompassing. Also the right of return. Equal rights is something that happens once you're on the ground, once you're there, that you are a full citizen. You have full social, economic, political rights. You are completely equal to all other citizens of whatever state there is there right but you can't just have that right that would not be solving the One of the major aspects of the injustice that has occurred, which is that millions of people continue to languish in refugee camps. Millions of people continue to be stateless. Millions of people are waiting for their own war rations, and that's how they live because they still have the keys to their home. They were told that they could go back. They thought they were going to be able to go back. They have the right to go back. Somebody else is living there now, and they're still waiting, and there's no resolution to this. So.
0: An amnesty is aspect. like, amnesty is like, and we don't take a position on the settlers living in these occupied homes. We just point well, out that they are <laughs> occupied.
1: <laughs> they don't take a position on the, it's very nuanced, Michael. They're not taking a position. No, it's on not, the
0: it's not nuanced. It lacks courage.
1: It's, for me, it's stupid for them to even say that because it's like, what, what are you trying to do here? Like, What is that even trying to do? You said that they're guilty of all these crimes, so you don't even have to take a position on the legality of occupation. Like the, the question of legality of occupation is an academic question. It's not anything that's relevant to anybody's life, nor does it actually like, contribute to what your report has done, which is talk about actual facts on the ground. I'm looking at the things that are good about the report and I'm critical of the things that are in the report. But for me, it's totally irrelevant what amnesty says about the legality of occupation because whether occupation is legal or illegal, it doesn't really matter because even if it was legal, let's just assume that it was legal, right? It's being carried out in a manner that is not legal, right? So the question of the legality of occupation is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. They can say, oh, we don't take a position on it. I don't care. I don't care. You don't have to take a position on it. There's plenty of legal scholars that are, that write about this. You know what I mean?
0: I understand it's a very legal it's, jargon. It's
1: legal. It's, yeah.
0: But for, like, the person, it looks like they're saying we're pretty neutral on the topic of occupation, but also they should stop doing that.
1: The thing that bothers me about that tweet is like, Do they envision that they're going to be able to dismantle apartheid without ending the occupation? It's really weird to not take a position on occupation because how can you dismantle apartheid, which your report calls for, if you don't in part like one of the main things that has to be done is ending the occupation. That is one of the main things that has to be done.
0: They murdered that guy. I take no position on the murder, but they did murder him very i'm neutral on the murder it seemed to me honestly like they they had the report and then like a zionist got the opportunity to edit it to make a tweet
1: (laughs) or like to make a tweet because if you look at their tweets all of their tweets are like in in furtherance of the report and its findings and they're good and then there's like this one random tweet that's like we don't take a position on occupation it's like what don't look like who tweeted that is the guy who tweeted all the other tweets that or surround a girl.
0: That. You know,
1: yeah, whatever, guy, girl, whatever.
0: Occupation um, served by any and all genders, but it's the books that I wish they were burning in Tennessee right now.
1: <laughs> the Amnesty report. Yeah. <laughs> look, I think Michael, we have to like. I I know you don't want to spend more time on this, but I really do think that. We can say, you did good here, but you suck here. Like, we can say that.
0: How many more reports do we need till somebody goes to jail? Like,
1: exactly.
0: why? Right. Apartheid is a crime. It's a legal crime, right? Yeah, it's a crime. It, it's a crime. Like, if you follow any laws, apartheid is bad. You're not yeah. supposed to mess with apartheid. <laughs> it's like, everybody knows that. That's why they're so upset that they use right. the word apartheid.
1: Right. It's got right. the
0: connotations of South Africa. It's not, Africa, right? it's not it's
1: a compliment.
0: Got, yeah. To no anyone. Matter, <laughs> no matter what language you're talking shit in, right. everybody knows. So the Zionist state has been pumping billions of dollars into U.S.-based groups to portray Muslim community members as terrorists recent revelations that an anti-muslim hate group allegedly paid thousands of dollars to employees of a muslim advocacy organization to undermine american muslim activists on behalf of the israeli government but represent only the tip of the iceberg of what is now a decades-long effort by the jewish state to harass smear and threaten pro-palestinian activists in the united states
1: where does this come from
0: This is TRT World on December 15th, the Council on American Islamic Relations, also known as CARE, announced it had fired executive director Roman Iqbal for collaborating with the Investigative Project on Terrorism, IPT, which is headed by Steve Emerson, a former journalist and self-proclaimed expert on Islamic and Middle Eastern terrorist groups. IPT is deemed an anti-Muslim hate group by the Islamophobia network because of the way it uses, quote, unsubstantiated threats that portray Muslims as dangerous to accrue funding, end quote. And that Emerson has a reputation for, quote, fabricating evidence to substantiate his ravings about Muslim extremism, end quote seven days later another shoe dropped with care announcing it had discovered a second spy within its organization one who confessed to having been paid three thousand dollars per month over four years by ipt to quote protect the israeli government by spying on a mosque in the us and to record prominent muslim leaders one of emerson's goals we were told was Protecting the Israeli government by undermining Muslims engaged in political and human rights activism, said CARE, while revealing a series of emails between Israeli officials and IPT, including one showing a request for information related to Students for Justice in Palestine, a student advocacy group. Nihad Awad, CARE's national director, said, His organization had accumulated a lot of information on IPT, saying Emerson was, quote, providing assistance to Israeli intelligence and communicating with then Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu.
1: This goes to show how effective organizing in the United States can be. When the Israeli government, when Netanyahu is asking for information about SJP chapters and information about local mosques and people that are political in the United States, that just goes to show the extent to which he or Israel in general view this as a threat to the system that they have created, the system of apartheid, right? The article is saying that this is the tip of the iceberg because there's more than just this example of these two spies that were found out in care, right?
0: Yeah. More than that, these are the actions of a rogue adversarial state, not those of a self-proclaimed democratic ally. Starting with the Zionist-funded conference in 19... 19- 79 The conclave brought together US neoconservatives with the Likud party figures to tie Islam to terrorism in mainstream political discourse with the aim of tying Palestinian aspirations for liberation to terrorism in the minds of American voters a campaign that has been wildly successful looking back in 2022 This campaign was observed by professor Deepa Kumar in Islamophobia and the politics of empire. After 9-11, the media claimed that 19 Islamic terrorists attacked the United States. Pro-Israel groups moved in to capitalize on growing anti-Muslim fears and suspicions by establishing counter-jihad organizations, including Campus Watch. Established in 2002 by U.S. neoconservatives Daniel Pipes and David Horowitz, Campus Watch primarily aims to identify and monitor college professors who openly support Palestinian rights and oppose Israeli government policies. In 2011, the Center for American Progress published Fear, Inc., the roots of islamophobia network in america which found that seven nonprofit foundations donated 42.6 million to support the spread of anti-islam rhetoric between 2001 and 2009 showing how, quote, a well-funded, well-organized movement can push discriminatory policies against a segment of American society by intentionally spreading lies while taking advantage of moments of public anxiety and fear. These lies, particularly those that falsely tie Islam as a gateway to terrorism, were weaponized to advance the political interests of the Israeli government and conservative Christian groups in the United States. Last year, the Jewish American magazine Forward obtained documents showing that Israel's Ministry of Strategic Affairs transferred $40,000 to US-based Christian Zionist organization, proclaiming Justice to the Nations is the name of the organization, PJTN, which has been identified as an anti-Muslim hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, a non-government organization that tracks hate crimes in the United States. They've got their own issues, but for right now, that's, we'll take them at face value. PJTN's founder and president, Laurie Cardozo-Moore, has falsely claimed that 30% of of American Muslims are terrorists. <laughs> what? Yo, she really said one in three Muslims. Oh yeah. That is if that were the case, mosques would be, you know, more turbulent. Um <laughs> what? Mostly they're just giving out free food and uh practicing Islam. Yeah. Anyways. She falsely claimed 30% of American Muslims are terrorists and are operating 35 terrorist training camps in the United States. Boy, is she going to be upset when she hears about the military bases. Okay. Yeah. In the United States, that Islam is, quote, a political system of global domination.
1: Who is this person?
0: This is the PJTN founder. It's the Christian Zionist organization. She's just, she makes a bunch of outlandish Yeah, I claims.
1: mean, they're they're nutty people. Like, let's just...
0: These yeah. are the folks who are like, we want to support Israel because we can't wait for the rapture. Like, that's... I mean,
1: are you surprised?
0: No, I'm not. I'm not yeah. surprised. But it's just, it's funny to hear her say stuff like one in three practicing Muslims I mean, in America. I mean, what is... Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. That honestly, if anybody could recruit that well, like the mission would be accomplished. Okay. The Islam is a political system of global domination. And it's like, if that's the case, doing kind of a bad job, right? Mostly, yeah. <laughs> mostly <laughs> they're reacting to like the empire that's encroaching on their entire region. Well, whatever. He also said that tornadoes can be blamed on former President Barack Obama because of his support for a Palestinian state. (laughs) This is one of the groups that received a grant from the Israeli government. Two years ago, The New Yorker revealed how a private Israeli intelligence firm, Psy Group, spied on pro-Palestinian activists in the U.S., particularly prominent individuals who publicly support BDS. Sci Group, which employs discharged Israeli defense force soldiers and former intelligence operatives, conducted an operation named Project Butterfly to disseminate negative information about BDS activists with the goal to create, quote, a new reality in which anti-Israel activists are exposed and forced to confront the consequences of their actions, end quote. The company told donors the operation's primary message is to convince Americans that, quote, anti-Israel activity equated to terrorism, according to the New Yorker. So it's it's uh anti-Israel activity is both anti-Semitic and terrorism. Anything yeah. is like it's like Israel does not equal terrorism, but anything anti-Israel equals terrorism and anti-Semitism.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true that in addition to the false claims of anti-Semitism, they also, for a very long time, have tried to utilize the phony defense that people who are critical of Israel are terrorists, right? Um, Plenty of their leaders would say things like that, you know, just outlandish accusations, you know, to just anybody who had anything to say about israel's crimes um but what's crazy to me is like here we go again with another operation with a creepy name butterfly why in what way
0: the leaders of the government in israel will look at a child whose house they just demolished and be like that's a terrorist
1: yes yes they will yeah yes and they have yeah
0: Anyways, it just shows that there is a deep network of yes. campaigns at work that are trying to influence the American public's perspective of For sure. Muslims and Palestine specifically.
1: Yeah. And to tie the two together, when in reality, a lot of Palestinian activism isn't from faith groups, it's from people who are just simply concerned as humans about what's going on in 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 Palestine.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and we got to remind people, there are Christians, there are Palestinian Christians as for well. For sure. Right? There Busy. were Palestinian Jews until they decided to segment what it meant to be Jewish and then made it a hierarchical apartheid state. So speaking of weird cyber crime people, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, tried to rebrand itself as Meta but we'll always remember it as the creepy Facebook guy. (laughs) Meta has banned Israeli cyber mercenaries that targeted journalists, Palestinians, and activists. This comes from Paradox Politics. Meta has banned from its platform four cyber mercenary firms headquartered in Israel, which the company says conducted surveillance on human rights advocates, journalists, and critics of authoritarian regimes. These companies are part of a sprawling industry that provides intrusive software tools and surveillance services indiscriminately to any customer, regardless of who they target or the human rights abuses they might enable, writes Meta's head of cyber espionage investigations, Mike Daviliensky. The industry democratizes these threats, making them available to government and non-government groups that otherwise wouldn't have these capabilities. Yeah. So his issue is like, look, we spy on people. Only we get to spy on people. Not everybody gets to spy on people. Four of the seven firms named in Meta's threat report are Israeli companies. Cobwebs Technologies, Cognite, Black Cube, and Blue Hawk CL while the other 3 are based in China, India and North Macedonia. Meta removed 200 social media accounts operated by the Israel-based Cobwebs Technology that were engaged in reconnaissance, which involves silent profiling of targets through public information like social media profiles. You ever feel I don't like know you're, what
1: that means. What's silent profiling?
0: It it's like you know how we have intelligence agencies interacting with our social media presence all the time? Yeah. We're being reconnocized.
1: <laughs> That's what that is?
0: Yeah. it's it, they, they take the information that we post from our social media and they catalog it so that there is like a master record of all of the things we've ever said and done. That's why it's so annoying whenever you talk to a Zionist, you can tell that they all have access to this. Because they'll be like, didn't you say in third grade that (laughs) Israel's not a democracy? (laughs) It's like actually on on April 21st, 2004, you said BDS is actually kind of good. And it's like, yeah, citing a specific date is a very normal internet comment thing to do.
1: So basically Facebook, aka Meta, removes some of these firms from Facebook that are engaging in this reconnaissance, basically cataloging and like documenting and downloading all of our activity that is related to Palestine.
0: Yes. But only four of them.
1: Yeah. So so that's a positive story about Facebook because usually all of our reporting on them has basically been all of the ways in which they are suppressing Palestinian content, erasing our accounts and promoting Zionist content as well as Zionist content reviewers.
0: I think we should take it with a grain of salt, right? Because we know that they're also working in collaboration with the occupation. And so this is just an instance where it's like, the flagrancy was unavoidable
1: because
0: yeah. meta is like, look, you can't have everybody spying on everybody, right? Sure. <laughs> so sure. Only some people get the keys to the castle.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. okay.
0: And so one of the firms, Black Cube was uh, the surveillance firm that was hired by Harvey Weinstein to investigate journalists. The three stages that make up the totality of the surveillance chain were reconnaissance engagement and exploitation so the engagement and exploitation stages go beyond silent profiling by creating reference points for targets and manipulating those engagements to extract personal and private data right that's why i never give out any information when people are like I'm when I'm on live or anything like that.
1: So basically I'm reading that combined all of these surveillance for higher groups targeted in individuals in more than a hundred countries. And that since they were banned from meta owned sites, some of these groups have attempted to circumnavigate the bans with little success. Okay. So they're basically still trying to collect information.
0: So just a few more things, black cube primarily targeted activists and NGOs, including Palestinian activists the final Israeli group listed was Blue Hawk. Again, yeah. another weird name. Like, they're such losers, bro. They sound like children in a, like, playing Dungeons and Dragons in their parents' sure. basement. They're like, Operation sure. Blue Hawk, Operation, oh, I yeah. will get laid one day. Like, uh, <laughs> right. so anyways, Blue Hawk. A surveillance company previously linked to, quote, Snoop for Hire that posed as a Fox journalist to spy for an operation. Meta says they removed over 100 Facebook accounts linked to Blue Hawk. Probably just one person.
1: (laughs) I have on Blue Hawk says that it's an Israeli firm that primarily targets journalists with social engineering gathering of litigation related intelligence about people and managing fake accounts to trick them into installing malware.
0: And so this type of activity has come under greater scrutiny after it was reported that NSO Group, another Israeli company, aided Saudi Arabia and other unknown attackers in covert operations. NSO Group's Pegasus spyware has been linked to a line of cyber attacks targeting human rights advocates and lawyers.
1: Yeah. Yeah the the story of israel's spying and surveillance on people worldwide is basically never ending like there's something really... every week to talk about whether it's like a new surveillance entity whether related to the government or private whether it's like a new like scandal because these entities are spying on other governments including governments that they think are their allies you know whether it's spying on journalists or heads of state or activists or you know whatever it may be uh, hacking them i mean they're just it's it's limitless getting personal information to blackmail them like whatever like You know, it's just sky's the limit for Zionists when it comes to surveilling people on the internet.
0: And so with that in mind, remember that every time you're interacting with a Zionist online, right? They are trying to emotionally charge you up and get you to reveal information that then can be plotted and used against you in the future. They'll just say things because they know that saying things will get people worked up, will get you engaged because engaging with them allows them to extract information. That's why they're like, have you ever been here? And it's like, we didn't sign up for an interrogation. This is an Instagram comment section.
1: Yeah. So, in other recent news, Fox News has reported that the University of Chicago pro Palestinian group has urged students to, quote, avoid shitty Zionist classes. So, this is interesting because this article, I think, is an instance of when media unknowingly does our job for us, right? By giving us the public platform to continue to raise awareness about the nature of Israeli apartheid and settler colonialism. You look at the article and 95% of it is quoting SJP from the University of Chicago and basically shedding light on the post that they made. Only like the last two lines of this article are response by the University of Chicago, saying, oh, yeah, we're committed to the well-being of all students, blah, 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 means nothing. And a response by a University of Chicago spokesperson that says that we oppose anti-Semitism. Okay, but before all of that, you get all this really great content by SJP highlighting what are the classes on campus that promote an Israeli narrative and including the class description, and then refuting point by point every sentence in every class description. Like, they did an incredible job. And this Fox News article thinking that, like, oh, yeah, we're going to expose these SJP people for, for saying, oh, you shouldn't take shitty Zionist classes, like, ends up, like, doing them a great service because they link the Instagram post when you go back to the original post You have just incredible information in here. So like, for example, one of the responses that were prepared by SJP is in response to a class called Gender Relations in Israel. And this class description begins, Israel is widely known as a state that treats men and women equally. Israel has had a female prime minister. Israeli women gradually earn their right to integrate into the army as combat soldiers and Tel Aviv has a reputation as one of the most queer friendly cities in the world. So hold on just one second. University of Chicago is like one of the best universities in the entire country. Like allegedly.
0: That was a class description. That sounds like straight from the Hasbro manual.
1: This is a class description. It first of all, it's written like the reading level of this class description is second grade. And that's like generous.
0: And it's so funny because like all of their propaganda is written by people who don't speak English as their (laughs) primary language.
1: The class description goes on and says, yet Israel does not separate between religion and state. Family law in Israel is largely influenced by patriarchal norms. Same sex couples cannot get married. There are relatively few women in the Knesset and no woman has ever represented an ultra orthodox political party.
0: They'd be like, hey, the Jewish state has a separation of church and state.
1: Yeah. So it goes on. It says the aim of this course is to unpack these contradictions and provide an overview of the complex myriad of gender relations in Israeli society. So what SJP does is they go line by line. And they say that it's false that Israel is widely known as a state that treats men and women equally. They're known as a state that systematically oppresses Palestinians.
0: Well, in fairness, uh, it, everybody's got to serve, right? So man, woman, child doesn't matter. Give them an a k forty seven
1: right. And then when the when the description says Israeli women earn their right to integrate into the army, they say, as combat soldiers to kill Palestinian women and seize their land. When the class description says Tel Aviv has a reputation for being queer friendly, SJP says, how can Israel be queer friendly when it is uprooting, ethnically cleansing, robbing Palestinians of their lives and livelihood? There's no queer liberation without Palestinian liberation. Hey, we're going to unpack this. They say, SJP says, there's nothing to unpack here. These contradictions arise because Israel uses a propaganda technique called pinkwashing, which exploits queer rights to hide its occupation and apartheid practices behind an image of progressiveness. Like, it's amazing. They did great. Just thank Fox News for linking to this because this is excellent information. And, you know, it's for me just an example of like, again, when media accidentally does our job for us by giving us a platform and then amplifying our voice while thinking that they're like exposing us. And the reality is, is all they did was promote and give space to the reality of the situation meanwhile the the only zionist response is buried somewhere at the bottom and the reality is is that for every time that zionists don't respond on the merits they don't actually respond to anything as jp has said they just you know say that they oppose anti-semitism for example or that, oh, these are anti-Semitic comments. No, how I said it's the last leg they're standing on, like the leg is like getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And like, basically they're not going to have anything left to stand on. Um, well, yeah, I guess there
0: is there is an upside to the total collapse of investigative journalism in that journalists yes. don't want to write anymore. And so yes. they will literally copy paste Press releases from SJP, from the Zionist organizations of America, just uncritically sharing to their own website the content that was created Um, by somebody else. I'm
1: telling you, the majority of this (laughs) article on Fox News is a for like is a is just quotes Ah. from SJP. I'm like, thanks. Like it's the majority of it is quotes. It's incredible. That's that is
0: a silver lining.
1: Thanks, Fox News. So there's that. Um,
0: Thanks, Fox News is a <laughs> sentence I never thought I'd hear anyone say in my whole life, let alone my podcast co-host.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I it was just a delight to read this article. I, let's be honest. Yeah. I was just delighted.
0: I, too, love content that comes straight from SJP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and shout out SJP at U of C.
0: Yeah, y'all are doing great work. Hope you're listening to the pod. I've got Yair Lapid saying that extremist violence is a stain on Israel.
1: Yeah, that's just a continuation of last week, right?
0: Yeah. Well yeah. go Yair, ahead and say that. Yair Lapid saying it is different, right? Because
1: and the ADL, because he's actually
0: He's yeah, he's a member of the the government. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the government received a letter from the ADL. We covered that building off last week the ADL sent a letter to members of the Israeli government saying, like, hey, basically tone down the terrorism because you're making it hard for us to lie on your behalf on the world stage. And Yair Lapid, who is the upcoming prime minister, like, he will take office August 27th, 2023. If things go to plan is what this article says Wait, Like, what? who the fuck wrote oh this article God. dude that's oh so God. weird it's like they're conspiring in public <laughs> it says if things go according to plan
1: Wait, what
0: anyways lapid is the architect of israel's current coalition it's foreign minister and the leader of its largest party.
1: Wait, that's in the Atlantic? Yeah. That's so weird. (laughs) I see that line, if everything goes to plan. (laughs) Oh, that's so weird.
0: (laughs) It's like, bro, that's the conversation (laughs) meant for a smoky room, not an Atlantic article.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's weird.
0: Yair Lapid said it's a stain on Israel. Whoever attacks innocent people is a hooligan and a criminal and is going to be treated as such. There is going to be zero tolerance toward this issue. I had a long conversation with our minister of defense who is now creating his own task force to make sure this will be stopped. He acknowledged that no country can stop all such bad actors, but insisted it's a priority for him.
1: One way to stop them would be to allow the occupation forces who are present at many of these instances of settler violence against Palestinians to actually do something with the weapons they are carrying. But what we have seen, and we have reported on this before, is that in fact they are beaten up by the settlers themselves and the settlers are completely... Just immune from 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 any sort of, you know, repercussions vis-a-vis the state? Like, why is the state acting like they need to put together a task force and we need to figure out how to stop them? You could stop them in two seconds if you wanted. You just don't want to.
0: Yeah. He says, whoever attacks innocent people is a hooligan and a criminal, which makes... Every one of them hooligans and criminals.
1: What do you think this is? This is like just uh, like. uh, I think he
0: received the letter and he had to have some public response. So it's the equivalent of him being like, we'll look into settler terrorism. Yeah. Hey, we'll bring it up in the next meeting. Right. So
1: this is hilarious. This is hilarious because he goes on to say this is something I'm not just saying in English. I said this in Hebrew in a press conference a couple of weeks ago. So like nobody asked him, like, are you just saying this in English? Like he's just yeah. revealing that <laughs> he doesn't actually believe this because he's going the extra step to tell you that he does believe this. You know what I mean? Like,
0: and, and to be honest. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. It's like when you're like lying and then you just like give too many details that you wouldn't normally give if it wasn't a lie. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The subtitle for the thing, for the article, Israel's prime minister in waiting wants zero tolerance towards Jewish terrorism. First of all, like weird kingmaker vibes, weird conspiratorial yes. vibes. Yes. Anyway, We still
1: don't know why he's going to be the prime minister <laughs> in 2023. Nobody saying <laughs> that. But hey, but
0: if it goes according to plan. And then the subtitle says whether he can bring his own coalition on board with that stance is an open question. It's like, hey, not everybody is going to be on board with stopping settler terrorism. Right, right. right. Some people. From his
1: coalition.
0: Yeah, from the people you are working (laughs) with. Yes. Some people love a good bonfire, right? Folks, that's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod www.palestinepod.com for all of our sources and stuff like that get involved in the convo by emailing us at palestinepod at gmail.com and check us out on patreon www.patreon.com/palestinepod That's been another episode of the Palestine Pod thank you all so much have a great day